Hey mama, yes you. Whether you have babies, have fur babies, plant babies, have lost a baby, want one in the future, or are just on this planet to learn, grow, and nurture yourself, then you are a mama. And all mamas deserve joy, love, play, and self-compassion. This podcast is for those in the Mama Knows Breath program developed from a course in mindful living created by Dr. Elisha Goldstein. Here you can find the talks and meditation to cultivate a mindful approach to the journey of motherhood, including mothering yourself. So take a breath and let's get started. Welcome to week four of Mama Knows Breath. Today we are going to talk about positive emotions, including the science behind positive emotions and how they impact our well-being. We'll talk about how to savor good moments and then learn about loving kindness and how we can utilize it to create social connection. So today I'm going to start with sharing a poem. This poem is called Joy by Hilda Conkling. And it goes like this. Joy is not a thing you can see. It is what you feel when you watch waves breaking or when you peer through a net of woven violet stems and spring grass. It is not sunlight, not moonlight, but a separate shining. Joy lives behind people's eyes. I love this poem because it not only describes joy, but connection, which we'll talk more about today, and the importance of connection for inviting and creating positive emotions. So what are some positive emotions? Joy is definitely one of them, as is gratitude, love, euphoria, eudaimonia, all great examples. But why do positive states or positive emotions even matter? So Dr. Elisha Goldstein has us do this really impactful practice in A Course in Mindful Living, and I'm going to share a similar practice with you today. So start by closing your eyes. Imagine it's tomorrow morning. You wake up, you get dressed, and walk into your kitchen. You see some mail on the counter and you decide to open it. And it says that you owe $10,000 in back taxes to the IRS. So now you're pretty stressed, but you decide you can't handle it right this second and you need to move forward with the day. So you go to make yourself a cup of coffee and you remember that you're out of coffee and you meant to go to the store and pick some up yesterday, but you forgot. So next, you check your phone. You have a missed call from your boss. She says you forgot about a Zoom meeting that you were supposed to take early this morning, and the client was waiting for you for over 30 minutes before they hung up. And now your boss is not happy with you. So you decide to go for a walk to just try to clear your mind. So you're walking down the street, and you see someone that you know walking towards you. So you wave and smile at them. They look directly at you, they don't wave, they don't smile, and they just keep walking. So what thoughts are popping up into your mind? 
How are you feeling emotionally? If you want, you can open your eyes and even jot some of those thoughts and emotions down. And now we're going to do the second part of the practice. So you can put your pen or pencil down, close your eyes again, and once again, imagine it's tomorrow morning. You wake up, you get dressed, and you walk into your kitchen and you see some mail on the counter. So you open it and it says that you won $10,000 for Publishers Clearinghouse. You go to make yourself a cup of coffee, but your partner's already made you a cup with a note next to it saying that they really appreciate you and all that you do for them. Next, you check your phone and you have a missed call from your boss. And she left a message and it says she got a call from a client you met with yesterday and they love the job you're doing. And they're referring all of their friends and family to you. You decide to go for your morning walk and you're walking down the street and you see someone you know walking towards you. So you wave and smile at them. They look directly at you. They don't wave. They don't smile. And they just keep walking. So what thoughts are popping up into your head? And what emotions are you experiencing? So you're welcome to open your eyes, jot some things down. So the thing is, when we do this practice with the kind of more negative experience versus the more positive experience, we tend to have different reactions. So when we have that negative experience in the morning, the thoughts that tend to pop up when that person doesn't wave or smile is, oh gosh, what did I do? Why are they mad at me? And maybe there's some feelings of shame or embarrassment in there. Versus when we've had a more positive experience in the moment, we tend to think of the other person in terms of maybe something's going on in their life. We don't make it about us, we make it more about them. Oh, maybe they're having a rough day. Maybe I should check in with them later and and see if they're okay. And you feel a little bit more compassion or empathy towards them. So our mindset can drastically impact how we experience life. So we want to work on cultivating more positive mindsets so we can get more enjoyment out of our lives. And the thing about positive emotions is they're not just fun to experience in the moment, but having a practice of trying to increase our positive states has science behind it that supports our overall well-being. I think positivity lately has gotten kind of a bad rap with the term toxic positivity. That's when people, or even we ourselves, make statements to try and override someone else's or even our own feelings. So after I had my miscarriage, people sometimes would say to me things like, well, at least you know you can get pregnant. And Dr. Brene Brown talks about this as silver lining someone's experience. So we want to draw a silver lining around a gloomy cloud of an experience because it's more comfortable than sitting in that tougher emotion. So when we're talking today about creating a shift towards more positive states, we're not talking about bypassing emotions and shifting to being positive all the time. Rather, we already know that our brains have a negativity bias. And negative things tend to be stickier in the brain. So to counteract that, we need to practice having positive experiences so we can grow a more positive state of mind. And science shows we can actually do that. So thinking about this 
practice we just did where we imagine kind of a a gloomy morning versus a more positive morning, I'm going to share with you a personal story. So I have engagement photos of my husband and I, now husband, but at the time he was my fiance, around our house. And there's this one photo in particular that, especially after my miscarriage, just would always catch my eye. And I'm looking directly at the camera in this photo, and my husband is looking down at me very lovingly. It's a very, very sweet picture. But after I had my miscarriage, and really for months afterwards, I would look at that picture and I would say to myself, wow, this girl had no idea what's coming. She had no idea how much grief was headed her way. And I would do this practice repeatedly. And one day my husband caught me looking at this photo and asked what I was doing. And I shared that thought with him. I just look at that girl and I think she's so naive. She has no idea the tragedy that's going to befall her, I said. And without missing a beat, my husband said, you know, that's true. But one day you'll look at that photo and think, Wow, that girl had no idea the joy that she would one day experience. Our mindset can really change everything. Even during our toughest times, we have the opportunity to adopt that positive mindset. It doesn't mean that my grief resolved in the moment, but it did allow for me to think about and hope for something else, a different story yet to come. So how does this positive mindset or increasing our positive emotions impact us biologically? There are three key parts of the brain that deal with depression. Those are the amygdala, which is where that fight, flight, or freeze response gets triggered. The hippocampus, which is associated with learning and memory, and actually experiences a dendritic attrition with stress. So we lose dendrites, we're losing connection and the prefrontal cortex. And we can remember from week one that the left side is associated with positive emotions and the right side is associated with more negative emotions. And positive emotions impact these three key parts because when we're able to integrate more positive experiences into our lives, we're able to live more in that positive mindset. So we calm down the amygdala, boost activation of the hippocampus, and boost activation of the left prefrontal cortex. Additionally, there's science that shows positive states are correlated to decreased risk of coronary vascular disease, pulmonary disease, and diabetes. Also, these states have been associated with decreased risk of death among elderly populations. There's also an impact on the chemicals in our body. So dopamine is our motivation chemical. When someone is in a depressed state, they have less dopamine in the brain. And you can think about this if you remember back to those commercials about depression. They always used to say things like, have you lost interest in things you once enjoyed? So with less dopamine, we aren't motivated to do the things we like, let alone the things we need to do for our own health and well-being. So increasing our positive states by increasing our focus on eudaimonic happiness so those are the things that create connection, love, and purpose, can help us activate more dopamine. Oxytocin also is a chemical that, as you may remember, is our connection chemical. And connection is really the basis of feeling well. 
Research has found that boosts in oxytocin come from things like hugs, breastfeeding, and of course, connection. And studies have found that women who have more friends have higher levels of oxytocin. So once again, we want to boost our eudaimonia. And this boost has been associated with lower levels of cellular inflammation. And cellular inflammation is associated with many diseases as well as depression. So we can decrease our risk of those by boosting eudaimonia. So how do we get more of these positive states? How do we create them in our lives? Gratitude has been shown to increase that left prefrontal activation. So gratitude then increases positive emotions and that openness to our approach in life. And having a gratitude attitude is more than just saying thanks. It's really the most impactful when we embody it. So we notice something that we appreciate and we take a moment to notice how it feels physically for us. Can we feel our just muscles relax or our heart opening or that smile across our face? How does it really impact our entire being? Another way we can do this is through the savoring practice. So this is when we have a good moment in life and we really take note of it. So we say to ourselves, this is a good moment. And then the next statement is, in life, there are good moments. So kind of creating that human connection there. And then the third is, how can I savor this moment? So can I look around and find three things that I hear, five things that I feel, two things I see, one thing I can smell, and one thing I can taste, right? Can I make this practice so I cement the memory and really enjoy being in the good? At first glance, it may seem like the opposite of the self-compassion practice, but I really encourage you to think of the savoring practice as a supplement to the self-compassion practice. We need to utilize both. We're not going to get to a place where one day we only have to use savor. We always need to practice self-compassion. But if our brain is wired for that negativity bias, it may be easier for us to notice when we're having a difficult moment. But how often do we register when we're having a good moment or a great moment? So when I was a kid, probably around the sixth grade, I got the stomach flu on Christmas. And I remember my dad saying, well, you'll always remember this Christmas, and I do, (laughs) but how many other Christmases do I remember from that age? I typically don't wake up every morning and say, wow, I'm so grateful I don't have the flu today, because we don't tend to think that way. But what if we shifted more towards that idea? What would it be like if we started to pay attention to the moments that go right, the moments that sometimes and maybe many times go unnoticed. How would that change our experience? So that brings us to loving kindness and this idea of creating connection in our lives, connecting with ourselves, connecting with others. And as I've mentioned many times now, in order to increase our eudaimonia, we need to create and have those moments of connection. And this tends to be something we're missing in society. So last week, one of our slides had a quote from Albert Einstein, and in that quote, he talks about this delusion of separateness, and he states that we tend to restrict our personal desires and affection for a few people nearest to us, and what we really need to do is widen our circle of compassion to embrace 
all living creatures. As we talked about last week, we are all so connected as a group, as women, as humans, and yet we can forget that. And our modern world has lent itself to that. We used to need to live in groups or tribes to survive. And now we can just drive to the grocery store for our food. Or even order it online. We don't even need to see anybody when they drop it off. We don't need to build our shelter. We can buy or rent a house. So this disconnection that's happening with the shift in technology and modern life has led even more to this delusion that we don't need connection. But the reality is we really do. Additionally, it really matters how we think about our own social connection. If we believe or perceive we have low social connection, whether it's true or not, it negatively impacts our well-being. So loving kindness is a practice where we seek to connect. We seek to connect to a loved one, to ourselves, to a neutral person, a person who's difficult for us, and then to everyone. And in doing this practice, we are rebuilding our sense of connection. And what does that do for us? So there's really that physiological benefit to connection. It can reduce stress, increase our sense of well-being, improve our physical health, improve our immunity, and increase our sense of longevity. Research done by Barbara Fredrickson and Bethany Koch showed that people who did 61 days of loving-kindness meditation had increased positive emotions and increased perception of social connection, even if they weren't connecting directly with the people they were meditating about. They also found an increase in what's called vagal tone. So our vagus nerve connects our brain to our organs, and researchers have called it our nerve of compassion. So when we have higher vagal tone, thinking of getting stronger in the vagus nerve, we tend to have a greater sense of well-being. And we exhibit and experience more positive emotions and have stronger connections. And this all becomes a positive cycle, one leading to more of the next and to more of the next. So we not only can utilize loving kindness to increase our positive emotions, but create more of that eudaimonia, connection, more of that purpose, and a true sense of health and well-being. So today we learned about positive emotions including the science behind positive emotions and how they impact our well-being. We now understand the importance of savoring moments and focusing on the good and utilizing gratitude to boost our positive states. We discussed how loving kindness can be utilized to create social connection and how that is so important to our well-being. Thank you so much for joining me for week four of Mama Knows Breath.